Well, hey there, preachers. It's Pastor Brian. And uh, in this episode, I'm all by myself because I want to talk you through this sermon that I took the lead on. Normally, I don't take the lead uh, writing a sermon. Now, the downside is uh, I'm not a big manuscriptor, so you're not going to find my manuscript notes. You'll you'll find some manuscripts from one of the other team members. But for this episode, if you're going to preach, if you want to preach this first life verse, uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 39, I encourage you then to listen to the episode right now. I'm going to just kind of walk you through how I'm going to preach this, why this is my life verse, and I'm going to give you some tips and some uh, some tricks for preaching this particular sermon. Now, first, I want to give you an overview of what this series is about. In fact, you can add and customize your own content to this series if you want to. At Pursue God Network, in our sermon library, you're going to find uh, four or five life verse options. And the whole idea for the series is really to get people to fall more in love with the Bible, encourage people uh, to think about their own life verse, and basically you're going to hear five life verses from just some preachers, right? So first of all, obviously, if you're preaching this life verse and it's not your life verse, you might want to just acknowledge that. Just say, hey, this is someone else's life verse, or this might be your favorite, and I'm going to help you unpack it. And so maybe in terms of a series hook, uh, again, I'm going to use a hook more about the importance of God's word, um, you know, how God's word is living and active, how God's word um, teaches us and trains us. So maybe you want to use, you know, the passage from 1 Timothy about the importance of the Bible. But that's really what this series is all about. It's to inspire people to fall more in love with God's word as they pursue God and as they fall more in love with God. Okay, so anyway, that's the series hook, and you can go wherever you need to with that. The hook for this particular life verse, again, this is my life verse. I remember as a as a 15 or 16-year-old, when I first read this passage in Matthew 22, um, and remember, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it up like this, maybe go to the text and, uh, and say, so here's the situation. Uh, some Pharisees come to Jesus. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trip him up. Um, because they thought they were smarter than he was. They thought that they understood God and God's word better than he did. Little did they know that they had no idea about the vibe of scripture. And I'm going to probably use that word in this sermon is to me, this, this passage captures the vibe of God, the vibe of scripture, the vibe of faith, um, the vibe of our church, the vibe of my personal faith almost better than anything else because it sets it up. Okay, so the Pharisees come to Jesus, these religious leaders, and they say, hey, what's the most important, what's the greatest commandment in all the commandments? Now, probably they're expecting him to pick out one of the 10 commandments. um, And then I would imagine that they're going to say, okay, are you saying the other nine aren't important? Um, But what what he does, and it's brilliant, and in fact, really this ties into the whole life verse series, Because some people might object and say, well, no, you're not supposed to have a life verse. The whole Bible is my life verse. And I get that. I probably would have said that years ago myself. But the the point really for Jesus is he wants to make sure people understand what all of Scripture is really about. And, you know, the truth is all of Scripture, every life verse points back to the same basic ideas It's not like there's a million different ideas in scripture. There are millions of different verses 
but they all really, it's all very cohesive. It's all really one big idea. And that's what I think Jesus is giving the Pharisees in reply to their question. He doesn't give them one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, you can go back in Deuteronomy and look at the Ten Commandments. What he actually gives them is what I think is the framing idea behind the Ten Commandments. It's the framing idea behind the whole Bible. And so what I'm going to say as I preach this point is, if you've never really thought about Jesus's response, if you don't really know what his response was, this sermon is for you. And if you've been going to church for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, and you you don't understand the heart behind Jesus's response in Matthew 22, then this sermon is also for you. Because Jesus, and now I would go to the text, in response to the Pharisee's question, he doesn't say, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, he actually says this, here's the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's his answer. And if, again, if you go back to Deuteronomy, the answer is not one of the Ten Commandments. It's the framing idea before Moses even gives the Ten Commandments. In other words, it's the vibe of the Ten Commandments. It's the vibe of the whole Bible. It's the vibe of all of our lives. If you don't get this, if you don't understand the vibe of Christianity from this passage, then you've got the wrong vibe. Your vibe might be about religion. It might be about information. It might be about rituals. But actually, the vibe of Christianity is about love, right? So love God. It, that's what Jesus says, love the Lord your God. And then he gives them another one. He, the Pharisees only asked for one, but Jesus gives them kind of a three for one. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the three things. Love God, love people, love yourself. And, you know, again, right here, this is still kind of the setup. We're not getting into the individual concepts quite yet. But the the big idea, really, of this whole sermon then, and this might be where I really just kind of drive the big idea home, and then I'll unpack it in these next three points, is that becoming a healthy and whole person, which is what God wants you to be, he wants you to be a healthy and whole person. Following God, being a Christian, is not about going to church, it's not about following rituals, it's not about keeping a bunch of rules, you know, Ten Commandments. Sure, that's part of that'll be part of it, but but really what God is interested is in all of his pursuers being a healthy and whole person, and it's all about relationships. So being a Christian, the vibe of Christianity is about relationships, or another word for that is it's about love. Loving God, having a right relationship with God, loving other people, having a right relationship with your neighbor and people around you, and and even loving yourself. So that's the that's the big idea. So the big idea is God wants you as a pursuer. He doesn't want you to just be a, an attender at church. He doesn't want you to just keep a list of rules like the Ten Commandments. He actually wants you to be a healthy and whole person, which I think really resonates with people in any generation, but especially today. And so this is then the outline of the sermon structure. We're going to talk about three types of of health, and they're more, they're more than these three things, but for the sake of the sermon, we're going to talk first about emotional health. Second, we're going to talk about relational health. 
And third, we're going to talk about spiritual health. And this all comes from Matthew 22. So emotional health is loving yourself. Relational health is loving your neighbor. And then spiritual health is loving God. So if you notice from the, from the text, Matthew 22, we're actually going to take it backwards, right? We're going to go backwards with this text. Um, but just wanted to give you an overview before I dive into each one of these. So there are four main slides that we're going to use or four main talking points that we're going to use for the sermon. And they actually align perfectly with topic three in the pursuit. So if you know the Pursue God resources, there are 12 topics, 12 basic core topics in our uh, discipleship track called the pursuit. And the third topic Topic number three is about being a whole person. So my life verse is actually is actually topic three in in the 12, 12 week track called the pursuit. Just uh, just wanted to let you know. Now in my church, because we use the pursuit and we use this in our discipleship process, uh, I'm going to mention that. I'm going to say now, if you've been through the pursuit at pursuegod.org, then you will recognize that we are covering topic number three. So some of you have maybe gone over this with your small group or with your mentor. Some of you have maybe discipled someone through it, but I'm going to preach on this now today. Okay, so there's four four talking points that we're going to cover. And the first one then is really what we've already covered is God is interested in your whole life, not just your spiritual side. A pursuit of God will transform you into a whole person. And that's what this passage I think is saying. And so the way I would unpack this point is so many people compartmentalize their faith. They say, okay, I'll pursue God on Sunday morning for one hour, right? And so I come to church and that's when I work on God and me, right? That's when I work on my spiritual side. But then as soon as I get in the minivan with my family and drive home, now I'm moving on to everything else that I have to do in my life. And so many people approach their faith. They approach Christianity like this. They say, I'll give God this section of my life, this compartment of my life, but all the rest of it, emotionally, relationally, financially, my marriage, my parenting, my work life, all of the rest of it is kind of off limits. The, the spiritual side is what God is interested in, but the rest of me has nothing to do with that. And I think that that's what we want to point out in this sermon is that is actually the wrong way to approach your faith. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is calling out the Pharisees and he's saying, you know what? A, a pursuit of God isn't about just keeping the rules a pursuit of God is giving him your whole life. In fact, it's more than that. A pursuit of God is letting him transform your whole life, not just your spiritual side, not just your relationship with God. And that'll be the last point, by the way, is talking about God and you, your spiritual side. But now as we unpack these points, we're going to go backwards in the text and we're going to say, okay, so so God is interested in you loving in you loving others, sorry, then you loving God and you loving your neighbor and you loving yourself. So let's start with loving yourself. And for today's sermon, we're going to call that emotional health. Okay. So this is the second talking point in the sermon. Emotional health, that's how you relate with you, right? Is seeing yourself how God sees you. No more, no less. Now I think, I think that this is a, the way that, uh, Josh McDowell, maybe I can't remember. I think Josh McDowell explains it like this. And I think this is really a good explanation. Emotional health is seeing yourself, how God sees you no more, 
no less. It's having the courage to become self-aware and lean into your own fears and insecurities. Okay, so you can do whatever you want with this this message, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to key off of Psalm 139, verse 1, where it says, God says, or David says this, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. And some people would read that verse and that would freak them out. Like, whoa, I don't want someone to know everything about me. And I think this is the point is, no, look, look, God already knows everything about you. And if, and yet he still loves you. He still wants a relationship with you. He is still pursuing you and he wants you to pursue him. And so as a follow, the more, the, the closer we draw to God, the more emotionally healthy we can be. Because what happens is we get to, we begin to see ourselves, how God sees us and, and it's, as people who are created in the image of God. And he loves us, he accepts us on the basis of that fact alone, that we are created in his image. He doesn't accept us on the basis of our performance. He doesn't accept us on the basis of our looks, right? Like like uh, we see in David's story, God looks, man looks on the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so I think there's freedom for pursuers of God when they realize that God sees them, God knows them, God loves them because of how God looks at us. And so the challenge here is, are you willing to to look in the mirror and see who God sees, not see who you see? And this is where the insecurities come in. Now, for my own sermon, I'm probably going to poke fun at my ears, right? That I have these ears that kind of stick out a little bit. And and sometimes, you know, when I was younger, I would look in the mirror and say, I don't like this about me. And I would let that shape my emotional health. I would let that shape who who I think I am because I'm I'm looking at my outward appearance. But if I can look at the mirror and see that God made me even with those ears and he loves me. And in fact, he was having a good day when he made me. He wasn't having a bad day when he made me. He didn't make a mistake. And when I can begin to see that when I look in the mirror, then I begin to get set free. And I begin to, to love myself more because God loves me. If God can look at me and love me, then why can't I look at me and love me? But that takes courage. It takes courage to become self-aware. It takes courage to lean into my fears and insecurities. And this is the benefit of being a pursuer of God. And this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 22 at the end of that section when he says that you should love yourself. When you realize that God loves you, then you can start to love yourself. And that'll free you up. So that's the first point, emotional health. Again, as you're preaching this, you can customize this as you need to, as you connect to this passage. Now, the second point then, the second talking point is we're going to talk about relational health. So again, I'm going to go back to Matthew 22. And I said, now we're going backwards. So we talked about emotional health, loving yourself. Now let's talk about relational health, loving your neighbor. This is about how you connect to other people. So here's the talking point. Relational health is truly loving the people around you and wanting the best for their lives. Now, I'm going to kind of just stop right there and say, look, when when you get emotionally healthy, when you realize that God loves you, now you're free to love other people because you're not you're not going to approach people the way insecure people do. You're not approach you're not going to approach them thinking what can I get from them. You're going to approach them thinking what can I give to them. That's relational health. That's love. That's looking outward, that's serving other people, that's wanting the best for their lives. 
Now, the second part of the talking point is that it, that, that means it's speaking truth and love even when it's uncomfortable, okay? And so what I'm going to say here in my sermon at this point is, you know, followers of Jesus should be the best people in the world at doing relationships. But a lot of times that's not true. And so many churches, we're really bad at doing relationships. And it's because we're not really giving God the whole person we think it's just about keeping a list of rules. And so judgmental, legalistic Christians are pretty terrible at relationships. But Romans 12, 9 and 10 says this, don't just pretend to love others. So there's no pretense in genuine love. He says, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. And I love what he says in verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And so this, to me, this is genuine, is genuine love. It's, we're set free because we know who we are in Christ. And from that new identity, we're set free now to look outward and love other people and even be willing to speak the truth in love even when it's uncomfortable. So loving other people doesn't mean that we, we you know, have this superficial um, surface level relationship with people. No, true love means, you know, that we that we want the best for someone else's life, which means we're willing to sort of step into conflict. We're willing to engage someone because we care about them. And so, again, you can take, this could be a big time rabbit trail if you're not careful, but you can take that where you need to as you personalize and customize this second point. Okay, so emotional health was was the first thing that God wants to give us. That's you and you. Relational health is the second thing from Matthew 22, that loving your neighbor. And then finally, the last point, and this is where we're building to, we're building to now spiritual health, and that's loving God. That's your relationship with God, okay? Now, this is where I would, again, go back to the text, Matthew 22, say, so remember the Pharisees are coming to him, trying to trap him, and Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor, as yourself. And we've taken those in reverse order. We've talked to, talked about emotional health, loving yourself, relational health, loving your neighbor. And all of this, here's what you need to understand, folks. All of this flows from spiritual health. You and, you and God. Spiritual health, here's the talking point, is letting Jesus fix the brokenness at the core of your being. It's submitting your actions and attitudes to God so that you can start living from the inside out. And this is what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Uh, And maybe in the light of this sermon, he has become a whole person. The old life is gone. A new life is gone. And this is probably the shortest point, but it's the climactic point. And this is where I look at the congregation and I say, listen, if you're listening to these words and you're saying, I long for that, I want emotional health. I w- and then I want relational health. I want to be a whole person. How do I get this? You you don't get it by working hard on your emotional health or your relational health. You get it by being healthy spiritually. You get it by coming to Jesus and saying, I recognize I'm broken. I recognize I'm not a whole person. I recognize that at the core of my being, there's something wrong, Right? I need to be born again. God, I want to be born again. How can I be born again? And Jesus' response to that is, there's no other way to be born again than, than by 
than by coming to God, submitting your attitudes and your actions to God and saying, I need you to fix me. Now we call that in our resources, having that faith moment, that defining moment of faith. When we realize we're not whole people, when we realize that we're broken at the core, we come to him and we say, God, would you fix me spiritually? Would you fix me? Would you fix my relationship with you? Because this is what Jesus is saying. When you can love God, when you can have your relationship with God fixed, then what happens is your relationship with other people are fixed and your relationship with yourself is fixed and you become a whole person spiritually, relationally, emotionally. And that's just the start of it. Financially, you become fixed in your marriage. You become fixed in your parenting. You become fixed in your workplace. And God fashions you into this person who has what it says in John 10, 10 as this, this true, satisfying life. This is what Jesus wants for you, but you can only have it if you come to him and put your faith in him. So in the sermon then, I would wrap this up by you know probably inviting people who haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ, people who want to be a whole person, to respond to this now and give their heart to Christ so that they can become a whole person. And again, preachers, don't forget, you're going to want to connect them through your church. Make sure to connect them then to a mentor who can walk with them um, through some of those resources on our site. And of course, walk them through the pursuit. And remember, this one is topic three in the pursuit. By the way, topic four, five, and six then is where they'll talk about sin and Jesus and responding in faith to Jesus. So make sure, don't just preach this great sermon but also connect them to someone, a shepherd who can walk with them and help them to experience this whole life. So remember, if you want to find these resources, uh, any of you know, the slides, um, other resources, our, our connection to our small group curriculum connected to this particular sermon topic, you can find it all at pursuegodnetwork.org forward slash sermons.